What do you want? Those who are old enough to watch Jeopardy, <laughs> tell me that the game show is, uh, most game shows in reverse, it starts with the answer and the contestants have to identify the question. Other game shows start with the question and you have to guess the answer, but Jeopardy starts with the answer and makes you guess the question. In other words, in Jeopardy, the answers come first. Now, I'm still not old enough to watch Jeopardy. <laughs> Couple weeks ago, while I was reading, my wife had it on too long. I said, what, 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 what are you doing? She said, I'm watching Jeopardy. I said, you, you can't watch that. You will age. <laughs> I think the concept is brilliant because most people are already living the answers to questions they've never asked. Left to ourselves, our lives take the shape of a pursuit or a quest. And we never stop to ask what the question might be. So by starting with the answers and working to the questions, maybe we will create room for spiritual conversations. Not long ago, as I said in the fall, the board challenged me to challenge you to consider other ways to share the gospel. So I've tried to do that in the first couple of months of this year. But when I started to study it, it occurred to me that maybe we ought to be sharing the gospel more with questions than with answers because really the more self-motivated and highly successful a person is in life, the less you can tell them what to do. All you can hope for is that you will help them think better on their own. And the way to do that is not by giving them advice or even information that they don't have, but it's by leading the conversation with the right questions if you know them. Albert Einstein said that if he was given one hour to solve a problem upon which his life depended, he'd spend the first 55 minutes getting the question right. Because, he said, if he could figure out the question, he could answer almost any problem in less than five minutes. That is, once we get the question right, the answers are self-evident.
But I didn't know where to find the questions. So I started reading through the Gospels at the words of Jesus. And what I noticed is if you're in the Gospels and your story appears anywhere in those four books, it does not matter who you are or whether you intend it, you are headed for a conversation with Jesus of Nazareth or else your story doesn't appear. And when you have that conversation, he is more often than not going to ask you a question. And as T.S. Eliot put it, oh my soul, be prepared for someone who knows how to ask the right question. I noticed he asked more than 300. Whenever you're dealing with a body of work that large, one method is to cluster it. So I gathered some of those questions into clusters around topics, say, those retaining, pertaining to a search, those pertaining to our dis-ease, those pertaining to our perspective. And then I sent this list of questions to uh, a couple handfuls of community leaders in our church, and I asked them which of these questions are most likely to come up in the marketplace where you work, because that's really the purpose here. It's not just for Christians to get smarter. It's for us to learn how to use, if you will, plagiarize Jesus' questions for our own conversations. Once they identified those, I arranged them in some kind of continuum starting with the most elementary ones and moving toward the more graduated or involved ones. The early questions assume that another person has almost no interest in religion. The middle questions assume they have some, and the end of the questions assume that they're a little more involved. Does it make sense? And so the first question occurs in John chapter 1. It's the first time Jesus spoke. John the Baptist was the prophet of that day. He was the megachurch pastor. Lots of followers. He had a powerful message. He was sent from God. And so... Hundreds, maybe thousands of people started to follow him. In fact, so powerful was John the Baptist's message that the leaders of Israel sent a cohort to try and figure him out. They said to him, are you the prophet? Are you Elijah or someone like that? And John kept assuring them, I am not. Still, they kept coming. Still, he kept insisting, I am not the one. I am not the light. I only bear witness to the light. So one day, while John was standing there with 
some of his disciples. He was in the middle of a lecture, I assume. He looked over and noticed Jesus was walking by. I've summarized John's message, I think, on the screen. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I told you about. I didn't know him, but I saw the come down and remain on him. And the one who sent me told me, this is the man. So I'm telling you, he is the Messiah, the chosen one of God. That's a pretty good sermon. But they didn't follow yet. So the next day, he was at it again. Seeing Jesus walk by, he said a second time, behold the Lamb of God. And this time when he said it, two of his disciples started to follow him. The word literally means they stopped pursuing their teacher and they started pursuing Jesus. They went after him. That's when he noticed. Turning around, he said to them, well, what do you want? Literally, what are you after? What are you seeking? What are you looking for? The question gets to the nub of all their pursuits. It assumes, as does Jeopardy, that they're already living the answers, but no one has identified the question. And so by raising the question, he is asking them to reach into their answers and name it. This is why the question is so powerful. You can use it again and again throughout a person's life starting with your own. If you were to take all of your activity, all of your energy, and summarize it into one pursuit, something like an answer to a struggle or a thirst, what would the question be? What question are you trying answer. In John's day, one could have followed Jesus for many reasons. In fact, one did. If you had a nationalist agenda, you followed him because he was going to usher in power over the Romans. If you had a social justice agenda, you could follow him because he reached the marginalized. If you were a sinner, you would follow him because he would forgive you. If you were lame, blind, or diseased, you followed because you needed a miracle. If you were an intellect, you followed because 
No one knew life like this sage. So why are you following him? They never answered the question. They said to him, Rabbi, where are you staying? Where do you live? It's a powerful word in John's gospel. He uses it 40 times, and the word means remain. Where do you remain? Where is your home? A few verses earlier, when John the Baptist identified Jesus, he said, the one on whom the Spirit descends and remains. There's that word again. The one on whom the Spirit lives, settles into, that is the one. Now they want to know where Jesus is settling. Where's he living? It's a powerful question placed as it is at the beginning of your spiritual life because probably the rest of your spiritual life will take the shape of this. This is the launch and the launch always determines the trajectory. You got to get this right. What do you want? Where are you living? This time, Jesus doesn't answer the question. He just says, come on. Come, see, and remain. There's that word again. Where do you live? Come, see, and live with me. Oddly enough, here in the first chapter of John, it's one of the deepest mysteries in the entire Bible. The one on whom the Spirit remains. The one who is in the Father and the Father is in the Son. That one is inviting you to come and remain in him. Oh, it's Father, Son, Spirit, and now you. That ought to take your breath away. Some of you uh, this morning are like John the Baptist. You're the one that goes to work every day and you're saying all the right things. This is the one that I meant. The only reason I'm here in this job 
It's so that he might be revealed and they're not listening to you. I'm not even worthy to talk about this guy. There's no one else to talk about him. So I'll just tell you, I am not the guy. He is the guy. And they're not listening to you. Not yet. Take heart. You'll do that day after day after day. And then suddenly, some of your disciples or your closest friends will start to follow him. They'll start to get interested in him. They'll start asking questions about him. Don't give up. This can't be done in a day. Others of you fall into other categories. Uh, in 1987, uh, the rock band U2. All right. <laughs> Cut a song, still haven't found what I'm looking for. It's a song that the lead singer Bono called a gospel song with a restless heart. And while I was studying the passage uh, this week, I never listened to it one time because it was ringing in the back of my head. I still haven't found what, and I started to wonder if the people in our church fall into categories defined by the story and the song. In other words, I think there are some in church today that still haven't found what you're looking for. There's a restlessness, a longing, a hunger, and a thirst. I'm a Christian. Doesn't matter if that's not the question you're asking. So you came to Jesus a long time ago, but you still haven't found what you're looking for. Now, the good news is you were made for heaven, and so heaven is still in you. But those desires for heaven have not yet found the proper object. And so you've spent your life chasing other objects. Some of you want money, some of you want success. Some of you are still looking for the perfect relationship. Maybe then. Some of you want a wall full of achievements. Some of you just want to be thought well of. You want to matter, you say. But mattering means fame. And the more people who follow you, the more successful you feel. But your problem is, you never hit bottom, do you? You never make enough. You never achieve enough. You never have enough followers. So you're chasing you don't know what. 
you still haven't found what you're looking for. Can I give you one question to frame your search? Stop asking what kind of life you want and start asking what kind of life is worth wanting. Since you graduated from high school, you've had leaders, coaches, pastors, teachers, and commencement speakers tell you that you can be anything you want to be, so chase your dreams. They were wrong. You can't be anything you want to do. You can only be what you were designed to be. And all dreams are not equal. Some of them actually satisfy you and others are in endless search. So stop asking what kind of life you want and start asking what kind of life is worth wanting. You may need help. There's a second category of people that still aren't looking for what they found. These are Christians who came to Jesus for any number of reasons, the forgiveness of sins. They wanted meaning, they wanted community, they needed a miracle. They loved the intellect. But after you found it, you, you stopped looking because it wasn't really Jesus that you were interested in. It was that. So if I can get you to reframe the question and wrestle with something this week, could you ask yourself, why do I choose to be or remain a Christian. Because the truth is, what brought you to Jesus is usually not a good enough reason to keep you in Jesus. Your reason needs to grow up. Your search needs to get bigger. And ultimately, there is nothing worth pursuing more than him. If you will put the question, what do I want down long enough to pursue him? You'll find what you want. Later, in the search, which leads to the last kind of person. There are those who have found, and yet they go on looking. Oh. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness 
for they shall be filled. Some of you have found him long ago. And it's truly him that you were looking for. And you have never been so full in a search all your life. Most of the time, your search frustrates you until you're searching for him. And Jesus is enough. I have a question for you. What is it about him that you most want for yourself? If you're in the third category, what exactly about him do you want for yourself? You ought to be able to say that in one sentence. You'll talk around it for a while, but find a friend or someone you can talk about it with, and when you've got it down to a sentence, would you write it down? Right under the question, what do you want?